Welcome to The Burnout Show, a weekly conversation with special guests who generously share their burnout stories with us. We also chat with health and wellness experts on how to best navigate burnout when you're in the thick of it, as well as how to avoid it returning. And now here's your host, Jess Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Burnout Show. Today's special guest is Peter Sitchef. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks heaps, Jess. Thanks for having me. Can you please share with our audience a little bit about what you do and how you started? Yeah, wow. Well, I guess in some ways what I do today is vastly different from what I did five years ago and is very much a result of having gone through an episode of burnout four or five Mm. years ago. So, Today, I work for myself. I have fully flexible timing. I am a commercial growth consultant, so I grow businesses. It's what I absolutely love and very passionate about, whether it's my own supporting other people to do that. And then I do that via consulting um, on some creative strategy or via training salespeople to be a lot more confident in what it is that they do when they're speaking Mm -hmm. with customers. So that's what I do today. That sounds amazing. And can you tell us what your burnout story looked like? Yeah, I will, Jess. So, you know, where today I lead a life where I am very much in control of my time. I'm a single mum with a 14-year-old son. If I go back to five years ago, that was the conclusion of a corporate career within the medical device sales industry. So, I spent um, 13 and a half years looking after the spinal prosthesis and what's called a computer-assisted navigation or robotics might be a little bit easier for the listeners to understand, although it's Mm. a step away from that technically. But I looked after the needs of about 20 of Melbourne's spinal surgeons Wow! when it comes to, to spinal prosthetics. So, What that looked like as a job was um, helping train these surgeons in new techniques, new operative techniques, and also when they had surgeries or they had patients who presented who needed prosthesis as a result of their injury or their pathology, whatever it might have been, we had the equipment that enabled them to do that. Right. So they booked a patient for surgery. They therefore booked the equipment with us. It could be simple. It could be incredibly complex. The operation could take two hours. The operation could take nine hours. Mm. And essentially we became, um, myself and my team, whether the walking, talking instruction manual, if you like, and problem solvers of the equipment. So we attended every surgery that the surgeons did. Mm. Um, and as you could imagine with spinal surgery, it's... Uh, patients don't present between nine and five. So for that 13 and a half years, I was on call for 24-7. Wow. Worked with a team to, you know, triage inquiries and obviously I couldn't physically be at every single case but was what was at as many as I could be. So Mm. that's what life used to look like, having a a mobile phone as a permanent um, third appendage and really dedicating my life to servicing the business Um, and it was very successful but then I became um, a victim of my own success in some ways. Yeah, no wonder with a a schedule like that and needing to be on demand. That was, I can only imagine how difficult that must have been. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's an industry, Jess, I've found that now that I've, I've left the industry and I've 
very deliberately went and sought consulting work in a totally different industry, in professional sport, for example, just because, number one, I wanted to prove that my skills were transferable and I could do that. And number two, I just, I, I didn't want a bar of it for a while. And that was really, it was a very conscious decision on my behalf. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy my job because I loved it and it was an education in life, what it taught me, mm. particularly spending times, um, so much time in an operating room where the dynamics and the stresses that you go, that you experience are just uh, very difficult to describe if you haven't been in there yourself. Absolutely. Did you have any warning signs or any symptoms that popped up before you got to that burnout stage or were you just running on adrenaline and coffee to kind of get you through each day and week as it came? Do you know, um, there were probably plenty of warning signs, but did I choose to listen to them? No. Mm. (laughs) And I didn't understand it. I think for me where the biggest issue for me was not feeling like I had a choice. Yeah. I felt as though professionally there were so many people that relied on what I did from a professional perspective that, you know, I had to keep that level of commitment and service always. Otherwise, I'd be Mm. disappointing everybody. That was really important. And then equally, as a single mum with a mortgage and, you know, I felt like, well, I don't have a choice about this. You know, if I want to set my family up this way and I want to maintain this lifestyle, et cetera, then I don't have a choice there either. So, for me and my brain, the switch that was flicked was, Peter, you don't have a choice. You just have to push on. So, suck it up. Yeah. And... I kept doing that and just putting the pedal harder to the floor is probably the Mm. best way that I can articulate that. Mm. Even though particularly in the last 12 months of the job, you know, my gut instinct was just, you know, and they call your stomach your second brain um, Mm. for a reason and I I wholeheartedly believe that now but my gut instinct was saying to me, Peter, this isn't working and now I can look back and I I can see that, you know, if something's not working, it it's never going to work until you make a change. Yeah. Change had to come from within my brain first and I wasn't ready to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we are, uh, we're our own worst critics and worst enemies at times because we are the ones saying, oh, no, we have to do this. These people are relying on me or um, yeah. no, there's no way out. There's no better way. I'll just keep pushing through. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's almost a little bit like having an out-of-body experience. I think when you're on autopilot, mm. I realise that now because that's when I think as a result of the chronic stress and constantly doing everything for everybody else mm. that I started to lose the connection with myself. Yeah. And there was a definition of burnout that really resonated with me, which was burnout is an absence of love and particularly an absence of love for, you know, your life, your job, Mm. but for yourself as a person. And I feel like if I look back now and I think, you know, where did I go wrong or what Mm. would I have done differently? It would have been constantly maintaining that connection with myself that I would have done because when I started to lose that, that's when the wheels fell off the bus. (laughs) Absolutely. And what was that? turning point for you what was it that finally made you say hey I am important I matter I need to look after myself and something isn't right here yeah look there was a really pivotal moment and it was a significant moment and involved my late grandmother 
I'm from Brisbane originally and Nan lived mm-hmm. in Brisbane and I for some time had been feeling as though, let's call it the last six months in the role, I had an inkling feeling that I was coming to the end of a chapter here and I had reached mm-hmm. out for help a number of times within the business but really wasn't feeling as though I was getting anywhere with those conversations Yeah, to various reasons. And, you know, I even remember going and buying a personal mobile phone and I felt like I was cheating on my customers. <laughs> it was wow. like, I don't, I'm not allowed to have a personal mobile phone. I've only got a mobile phone that's my business mobile phone because, yeah. which was, is ludicrous when I think yeah. about it now. But, you know, putting that boundary there literally felt like I was doing the wrong thing by everybody mm. that I worked with. And then a few months later, so Nan had a heart attack up in Brisbane and when I found out, I had a real need to want to go and be with her and my mum and the flick flick switched in my brain and I arranged for my son to be um, with his dad. I let work know I'm going, this is what's happened. And I was driving to the airport, I got halfway to the airport and I realised I'd left my work phone at home. Mm-hmm. And I had my personal phone with me, sort of tucked in, tucked into my pocket. And I all of a sudden was like, "Oh my god, where's the 0402 number?" <laughs> and um, it's at home on the kitchen bench. And I was like, "Pardon me," but I was like, "Bugger it," you know, yeah. like that's it, no. And yeah. it it literally was a moment of I've. I've amputated that phone from my life. Yeah. I went to Brisbane, Nan survived, lived to see another another year and passed away at the age of 101. My gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, only quite recent of oh, a year or so ago. But when I came back from Brisbane, I resigned 7 days later. Yeah. I went to go to work and after that Brisbane trip and I sat in my car and I was physically sick. Mm. I couldn't hold my hand still. Um, I was sweating profusely. I was nauseated and I just had tears streaming down my face. My body was just saying, Peter, this is, what are you doing? It's Mm. time to, you know that what you need to do. And then I resigned, yeah, by the end of that week. So there was a pivotal moment to answer your original question, Jess, and and that was it. It was just time. It was time. Yeah. Gosh, that's, uh, yeah, sounds huge. And, uh, you know, I wonder if just subconsciously your mind was sort of knew that you were leaving that phone at home, you know, something made you not grab for that or remember it when it was something that was so important to you, you know, daily. Um, Absolutely. Just forgotten that there is um, quite incredible. And I wonder if something else is sort of going on there. So start as something good. Absolutely. I fully believe in the universe that way. I really do. And I think that it was, you know, it just was quite serendipitous the way that it all played out in the end. And I knew what the right thing to do was. So yeah, you were ready. Yeah. Mm. Before you knew Mm. it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So Peter, what do you do now when you start to feel a little bit overwhelmed or stressed? What do you do? What sort of signs do you see and how do you respond? Yeah, look, I think Jess, when I I essentially had to press pause on life for about six months. Yeah. And really, interestingly enough, my acute burnout episode didn't have when I initially resigned. It actually mm. happened about eight months later. Mm. 
and was an entire physical and emotional breakdown at that point. Mm. And after it was at that point where I essentially couldn't be by myself for a number of months um, or for a, a period of time and I had to press pause on life for a number of months. And with the help of a wonderful psychologist who I still see on a monthly basis as a mental health check-in, which I think is really important. She worked very closely with me and we tried to put all the pieces of Peter back together. (laughs) So what do I do now? During that process, I became, I guess, just really familiar with myself. And now if something goes out of balance if I wake up or I can feel that I'm at the edge of a slippery slope I I stop and mm. I'm kind to myself and I the first thing I do is is really try to get to the crux of what's at the eye of the storm here mm. you know I've learned the difference now between burnout anxiety and stress yeah and I've been able to create a life at the moment which is very different to what it was previously, is very fulfilling and is much more sustainable than where I was previously as well. So, so long as I'm doing that, I find that if something goes awry, more often than not, the reason is stress and I try Mm. to nip that in the bud straight away as opposed to letting it accumulate and become a more chronic problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess in that time you would have been able to learn so much more about yourself to realise what your stresses were, what your triggers were, and then how to manage them before they snowballed into something else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a little bit like going back to basics too, Jess, making yeah. sure that, um, you know, that I'm sleeping really well, yeah. number one. Yeah. I'm eating well. I'm not, I'm not an enormous drinker, but I'm not, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol, for example, mm-hmm. which is just punishment to my brain the next day. Yeah. The mental fitness, working on my mental fitness continually. I am an yeah. avid reader and that was actually something that um, following burnout, a structured or a reading became not only a passion, it became like a mental fitness activity Yeah, that helped me learn how to refocus my brain again. Yeah. And that was really, really important mm. um, in being able to manage thoughts. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's going back to basics. It's listening to my body and my mind and it's about being kind to myself mm. more than anything else. I very much subscribe to, there's a wonderful book by psychologist Fiona Murden called Defining You mm-hmm. and she talks about the four core needs of the advanced brain which are connection, um, human connection, giving um, a sense of purpose and learning. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I use, I say this often with coaching clients. Um, and for me, it's just like my Bible myself, you know, if something's feeling a little bit not right. I check in with that. Yeah. And there's a dose of well being in each of those quarters. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to um, look up that book myself. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. Besides working with a therapist and you mentioned reading, what did your recovery look like and how did you feel when you you knew you were ready to sort of work again and, um, yeah, find some sense of purpose after after having to have a break? Yeah, um, I probably initially felt slightly petrified, (laughs) to be honest, because I felt like I really went into this bubble 
for a while and it was a bubble that felt safe. You know, there were two or three very important people in my life that really helped nurture me during that time and I spent a lot of time with them. There were a lot of cups of teas on the couch and a lot of chatting and mm. and to really, it's actually really difficult to not do anything. Mm, <laughs> As someone is. who's always been a high achiever and just been like, go, 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 when you're told that you need to sit still and do nothing, it's like, it's really? I can't yeah. strat- strategize my way mean? out of this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't understand that. And yeah, it's like, yeah. No, you are not allowed to. And with yeah. that, in one ways it was a rela- one way it was a relief. It was like someone's giving me permission to stop. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When does that happen? And then in other ways, it was totally petrifying because I'm yeah. like, oh, this is really weird. And but I think what I learned was when you need help you have to ask for it and it's there. Mm. People want to help you. Yeah. You know, nothing is impossible. Even if it's a, a mortgage or a financial commitment, you ring the bank, you talk to the bank, you work your way through it. There's always some sort of option Yeah, is what I have found. And then I guess when I got to a point where I wanted to work out what was next, there was a really pivotal moment for me with that as I'd started thinking about it. And what I really tried to do was I'm a very big believer in what we do professionally is based more on our purpose rather than a job title. Mm -hmm. So trying to really understand what was that sense of purpose for me, once I found that out, however, you know, anything I do now tends to come back to that sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. whether it's through consulting or whether it's through coaching or whether it's through writing, uh, mentoring, whatever it might be. Once I found that sense of purpose, it then all seemed to flow quite naturally. I just, mm. I did what I, and having my own business, I did what I knew best, which in terms of growing a business, which was started to get out there, started to network, understood how to articulate my value, mm. identified, you know, who it was I could help in terms of the people I would serve and went from there. And that felt very natural. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like you said, when you do find out what that purpose is and, you know, I think we that can change um, throughout our lives depending on what our passion is, what our, if our skill set has changed, experiences that we go through, we uh, oftentimes have something different that we can kind of connect with and offer people over the years. So it's part of that journey, I guess, is, um, you know, have, defining that purpose and then kind of seeing things fall into place around you. Absolutely. And I think once you do identify, you know, I found it a little bit difficult at first. It felt a little bit abstract and I probably didn't actually understand what purpose was even. I was was living it more than I realised. But once I made a conscious effort to really understand it, I recognised then how powerful it really is, particularly from a wellbeing perspective. There is so much energy and spiritual energy, I think, that's derived from understanding our purpose and working in alignment with that. Mm. I think that that is very much is the, you know, that's a really strong bond to prevent burnout when you've got that connection within yourself. I do feel quite strongly about that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to ask you a few uh, quick fire questions now. Yep. What are sure. you most excited about in your life right now? Oh, opportunity. Easy. Yeah, opportunity. You know, the world is a blank slate. You know, I'm no longer pigeonholed. 
Yeah. I can choose to do what it is I like. Um, yeah. And the more, you know, and I love that. It's exciting. Absolutely. Awesome. What brings you joy? Oh, writing. Writing. I mean, outside yeah. of family and connection, yeah. I just, I could, I could write for days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, when you watch MasterChef and they let the, the pressure out of the pressure cooker and it goes, that's what it does to my brain. Yeah. It's just like my happiest really? place in the whole yeah. world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. What keeps you up at night? That's an interesting one. I think, you know, what keeps me up at night, what keeps me up at night is stress, mm. are things that stress me. So it's not anxiety. It's not, it'll be very specific things that will, yeah, you know, 3.14 a.m. you tend yeah. to wake up or whatever yeah. time it is. We all have a really random time. And I think I can't go to bed and then the thoughts, you know, it, it tends to be one thing mm. and whether that's a, and it tends to be something that really is just seems a whole lot worse at night than what it, it does. does the next day. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, funny that. Yeah, really? Why'd that yeah. keep me up for ninety four minutes? It's like, geez. Exactly. Yeah. So it would be some sort of stress. Yeah. Uh, what does your downtime look like? Oh, downtime. Downtime for me is creating a space of creating a sense of peace and a sense of calm and true downtime where I can, where I, I read every day and that I actually don't call that downtime. That for me is mental fitness yes. and it's about learning. True downtime for me is no input. Yes. So even if I choose to go for a walk, which at, at the moment in Melbourne, you know, if you walk around Albert Park Lake, for example, at 4.30 in the afternoon. It is stunning. It is yeah. beautiful. But I walk with no no music with words in my ears, mm-hmm. for example. I don't even want words. You know, classical music is beautiful. Yeah. So it's about just downtime for me is about just reducing that input into my brain mm. so my brain gets a chance to, to decompress and take yes. a breath. Yeah, yeah, love that. What's something you've done that you're most proud of? Oh, writing my book. Mm. (laughs) That was a real, I kind of didn't start 2020 even thinking I was going to write a book. I just had started to find this love of writing and I worked Mm. with a writing coach who suggested that I pick some memories and just write about memories. And then the more memories I got and was my improving my writing was something that became a project during lockdown Mm. and a sense of purpose like many people I was stood down so I made it my full-time job I'm gonna get better Mm. at this and I love it so yeah and then as we went along it was started stringing the memories together and I was like there's a book in this yeah and yes it's um and now she's alive and she's out in the world and Mm. yeah it's really exciting so I feel I feel Mm -hmm. very very proud of not only it's not sort of about the tangible book but of I tried to be as real as I could when I was telling my story because I think it's the only way that people can connect what I sort of hope to achieve from the book is that Mm. people are supported by the words and by the stories um, and it becomes almost like a survival guide for other people in similar situations and I think having the the courage to to do that and Mm. to really strip it back and be quite raw in it I'm I'm proud of that yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well done. Um, Peter's book is called My Beautiful Mess. Where can people find your book, Peter? Yeah, they can find it on, I've got a website called mybeautifulmess.com.au where it can be purchased both domestically in Australia and internationally as well. For those in Melbourne, there's um, some local bookstores called the Avenue Bookstores, um, which are in Richmond, Elstonwick and Albert Park. It can be purchased there and the ebook is almost here. That's only a couple of weeks away and um, you can subscribe to find out when that's available on the website as well. So, I'm um, taking it slow and getting yeah. the message out there and learning a yeah. lot as I go. So yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to read it myself. Peter, what are you most grateful for right now? Um, what am I most grateful for? A different life and being happy. Yeah. I hate to think where I'd be just if I hadn't learnt those lessons years ago. I, mm. I really it frightens me to think about, you know, what my life would have been like, but also what my son's life would have been like. Um, I needed to make the change as much for him as what I did for me. That was my choice. And I'm just so grateful that I've had, it's funny, you think your kids need you a lot when they're newborns, but I'm so grateful for his teenage years that I'm around and I'm really around a lot. Whereas in the past I wasn't, I was either in an operating room or overseas. So I'm really grateful for for being around during what's an incredibly important time for him. Yeah, yeah, and I bet he is too. Finally, Peter, what's one piece of advice you'd share with someone listening today who's going through burnout themselves or close to it? I would say stop. Stop. You have permission to stop. And I would say, I feel quite emotional now, I would say you have all the answers and work on the connection with yourself. Mm. There are plenty of things we can do and well-meaning friends will and family will be go and get a hobby or mm. come for a walk with me or, you know, go get a massage or yeah. go to a yoga class. Or, yeah. <laughs> and you go, okay, this is all great. For me personally, I found all of that whilst they were great band-aids, mm. but the real crux Quick of the issue for me was mm. about really doing the work and understanding what I stood for and what was deeply important to me. It was very hard work, but that's when life changed for me. Mm. Yeah, love it. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I really look forward to reading your story in your book, My Beautiful Mess. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate your time too. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you're suffering from burnout or want some tips on how to avoid it, join our Facebook group, the Burnout Club Community. If you've gotten something out of today's episode, we'd love your review. Simply click the link in the show notes to share your thoughts. Until next time, go gently.